please stand. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. I want to apologize in advance to Eric because it is a long passage and he still agreed to read it. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get uh, get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. So that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with the tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to him, Why did John's disciples and the disciples why did John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunken cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts a new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is the Lord, even of the Sabbath. Chapter 3. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with a withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grief at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was destroyed. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel 
with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. This is the word of God. And you can be seated. Thank you, Eric. Uh, So this morning, we're going to look at just a few of these verses, and we'll wrap uh, this section up next week. We're going to focus on uh, sort of the the middle of this passage uh, as Jesus encounters the Pharisees for uh, the first time. Uh, The word sin is used, uh, or a version of it, is used uh, only 15 times in the Gospel of Mark. I don't know if that seems like a lot or a little. It seems like kind of a little to me, but uh, a lot of the usage comes in our passage uh, today. And so next week, we'll look at how Jesus talks about forgiving sins. Uh, And today, we're going to look at how Jesus interacts with those who have been identified as sinners. So from this passage, uh, my title this morning is, Only Sinners Can Welcome Sinners. Only Sinners Can Welcome Sinners. Sinners. Jesus has been healing in Galilee, as Pastor Michelle showed us last week. This is his home region. His hometown is Nazareth in the Galilean region. Word is spreading about Jesus. As we see in verse 14, Jesus tries to get away by himself for a time of prayer, and it's getting harder to do so. People are finding him, tracking him down. He can't move about freely as he could at the very beginning of his ministry. In verse 14 of chapter 2, we read, As Jesus walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus said, and Levi got up and followed him. Levi is a tax collector. So you remember that Rome is in charge. They've occupied uh, the Israel territory. They divided it into different regions, into kind of like sub-kings, and and, and they're in charge. And so at every border, at every territorial crossing, there's a toll booth. And so if you cross from one region into the next, you've got to pay the toll. Capernaum is a city that sat near one of those border crossings. And so Levi is the toll booth collector. He's the tax collector. He's a Jewish man who had leased this tax booth in order to be the one collecting taxes. And, and it was a way of getting very, very rich. It was a system that was fraught with corruption. Uh, it was good for Rome and for Levi and not for anybody So you can imagine that Levi's countrymen didn't like him. They were not a fan. They would have considered him a traitor, their their enemy. In fact, tax collectors, Jewish tax collectors in that day, were not eligible to serve as a judge. They couldn't bear witness in court because their witness wasn't considered credible. They would have been excommunicated from their synagogues, and their families, their extended families, would have been ashamed of them and kept their distance from them. This is uh, Levi. This is who Jesus interacts with in our passage this morning. We get a a taste, a sense of just how despicable Levi would have been in verse 16 in this scene where Levi is throwing a party for Jesus. The passage reads, When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him, that is Jesus, saw Jesus eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now, this is the first time we meet the Pharisees in in Mark's gospel. We'll see them again and again in the coming weeks. The Pharisees come from a long line of religiously zealous uh, people. They could trace their lineage back uh, through many generations of men, Jewish men who were seeking to keep God's law uh, perfectly. One of the implications of this was that they separated themselves from those who didn't share their religious zeal, especially their commitment to religious purity. They tried to keep their distance from them. And so they looked down their noses at somebody like uh, Levi. They would have separated themselves from him and from those uh, like 
him. And Levi probably could have understood this. Everybody knew that what Levi was doing was wrong. They probably would have even called it sinful. Levi probably would have called it sinful. The way that that his greed had caused him to disown uh, his own people. Everybody would have agreed that that a tax collector fell into this sinner category. But the passage says that there's a tax collectors and sinners. There's these kind of two different categories that the Pharisees are speaking against. And the Pharisees would have also separated themselves from sinners. Now, sinners was a different category than a tax collector. Everybody knew that a tax collector was blatantly, obviously, intentionally sinning against God and sinning against his neighbor. When the text talks about sinners, though, it has in mind those who, who just didn't have the time or the motivation to try to keep up with the Pharisees' standard, with the Pharisees' religious standard. How many of you know that there are lots of people in our city who just don't feel good enough to show up to church? How many of you know that there are people in our neighborhood who are kind of interested in going to church, but they don't feel like they have clothes that are nice enough to go to church? How many of you know that there there are people in our city who who are interested in coming to church, maybe interested in the things of God, but they're nervous that if they come to church on a Sunday, the pastor is going to say, everybody turn to the Gospel of Mark, and when you found the passage, please stand up, and they don't even know there's a Mark in the Bible. So we can kind of imagine this group of people that, that just like for all sorts of different reasons doesn't feel good enough, doesn't feel able to pursue that religious zeal that the Pharisees require. And so they're, they're just, they're, they're kind of religious and social outcasts. They're sinners. Are you, are you, are you with me? So there's this, this category of people. Uh, the Pharisees say, well, Jesus, why would you hang out with the tax collectors, those people who are willfully, obviously sinning against their neighbors, sinning against God, and the sinners, those people who just, man, they just haven't put the motivation in. They haven't put the time in. They haven't put the effort in. Why are you hanging out with them? The Pharisees would have kept their distance from both of these groups. Jesus, however, unlike the Pharisees who avoided the tax collectors and the sinners, Jesus, our passage says, chooses to identify with them. In verse 14, again, Jesus says, follow me to Levi. He walks up to to, to Levi. He pursues him. He seeks him out, and he says, follow me. And Levi got up and followed him. Did Levi recognize Jesus? It was common for the toll collectors to take a a tax on fish that had been caught from the lake, and Jesus' first disciples were what? Were what? Right? So so they probably recognized each other. Maybe, Maybe they recognized Jesus. We don't know. Mark doesn't tell us. What Mark does want us to see is that there was a moment where Jesus says, follow me, and Levi gets up, leaves his toll booth behind, and follows Jesus. Something about Jesus compelled Levi to leave behind his toll booth and follow him immediately. Now, this, I think, is where things get a little interesting. When the Pharisees at the party accused Jesus of spiritually contaminating himself by hanging with tax collectors and sinners, Jesus responds with a traditional proverb. This is a quote that people probably would have known. Verse 17, Jesus responds to them by saying, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So Jesus publicly 
in front of everybody, calls Levi, his host, and Levi's friends, the other guests, he publicly calls them the sick and sinners. Which would seem to be a good way to empty the party really quickly, right? Like, that's a a not-so-subtle way of saying, like, the party's over. It's time for you all to go home. But they don't leave. They, They stick around. There might be a little sarcasm in Jesus' voice. Later on, he'll confront the Pharisees over and over again about their hypocrisy. So it it becomes clear that Jesus doesn't look at the Pharisees and see them as spiritually healthy or somehow more righteous than everybody else. So there might be a little bit of sarcasm in his voice, but still, he's calling them out. The sick and sinners. He's acknowledging Levi and his friends' spiritual brokenness, spiritual sickness in front of everybody. How can Jesus get away with this? I think the answer is simply that Levi's sin and his friends' indifference to religion, this this was not a reason for Jesus to avoid them. It was a reason for Jesus to love them. It was a a reason for Jesus to draw near to them. It was a reason for Jesus to eat with them, to party with them. It was even a reason for Jesus to protect them from the spiritual oppression of the Pharisees. And so when Levi met Jesus, he didn't do what so many of us so often do. He didn't try to clean himself up to make himself acceptable to Jesus. He didn't run the other way, afraid that his sin, his brokenness was too much for Jesus. Instead, he saw in Jesus the mercy of God. The mercy of God that saw him, that saw Levi for who he was with all of his stuff and still loved him. Levi understood this about Jesus. He did experience this with Jesus. And so Levi invites Jesus to his home. And then he invited his his social and religious outcast friends to join him. And he threw a party. And the text doesn't tell us this, but I have an idea that tax collectors knew how to throw, throw good parties. Just a guess. And so the tax collectors and the outcasts came. They showed up to this party where Jesus was the guest of honor. Why? Why did they show up? Because they already knew that they were broken people. They already knew that they were sinful people. They already knew that they were ostracized people. Nobody had to tell them that. Jesus recognizing their brokenness, Jesus recognizing their sinfulness, that was not the most important moment of the party for them. The most important moment of the party, the scandalous part of the party, was that their brokenness and their sinfulness wasn't a barrier for Jesus to draw near to them. That was what mattered the most. The very reality in their lives that kept the religious leaders away from them, the reality of their brokenness and their sinfulness, this reality seemed to be what attracted Jesus to them. If the Pharisees had thrown a party, do you think that Levi's friends would have shown up? 
If they sent out an Evite, all the Pharisees are getting together. We want to invite all the sinners and the outcasts. Please RSVP. Would they have shown up? I don't think so. Because the sinners and the outcasts, they understood that there was something about themselves that was offensive to the Pharisees. They weren't ignorant. They understood that there was something about themselves that was frightening to the Pharisees. They didn't want to get contaminated by them. So they weren't going to show up to a Pharisee party if there is such a thing as a Pharisee party. If you threw a party... Would Levi's friends show up? Without trying to oversimplify things too much here, I think that one of the main differences between the Pharisees and Levi is that the Pharisees had forgotten their own sinfulness. The Pharisees had forgotten their need for God's mercy and forgiveness. Levi couldn't forget. Nobody would let him forget. Levi knew his sinfulness. He was daily reminded of it. And so he was keenly aware of his need for grace and mercy. In Jesus, Levi had encountered the love of God that was greater than his sin. In Jesus, Levi had encountered a relationship with God that was made possible not because of Levi's religious purity, but because of God's love for him. If you threw a party, would Levi's friends show up? If we threw a party, if we threw a new community covenant church party in this neighborhood, who would show up? Would it be Levi's friends? People who don't think they are welcomed in any church, any spiritual or religious space, would they show up? The thing is, only sinners can welcome other sinners. That's why nobody's going to show up to the Pharisee party. But why Levi's friends were quick to show up at his party. Only those who have encountered and are being sustained by God's grace can welcome those who are hungry for God's grace. Only those who are drinking deeply of God's mercy can welcome those who are desperate for God's mercy. If you're not desperate for grace, you can't welcome people who are thirsty for grace. If you are desperate for mercy, you can't welcome people who know that all they will ever get from God is mercy. Are you following me? Only sinners can welcome sinners. I know some of you are like, yeah, but what about sanctification and what about maturity? We'll get there, okay? We'll get there. Can we just, only sinners can welcome sinners. And so Levi throws a party and he says, Jesus is going to be there. And they come and they meet him. In a moment, we're going to gather at the communion table. And I want us to think this morning about the communion table 
as a table for sinners. Is that too much? I want us to think of the Lord's table, the bread and the cup, as a table set for sinners. And if that's, if that's too hard for some of you theologically to get there, can we just remember who the first people to sit at the Lord's table were? Can we think about the fearful people who sat at that table? Can we think of the traitor who sat at that table? Can we think of the ones who who ran away from Jesus, who sat at that table, who missed again and again what Jesus was up to? This is a table for sinners. Can I get an amen from like two of you? It's a table for women and men who have come to an end of themselves. This is a table of grace and mercy and forgiveness. And because this communion table is our Lord Jesus' table, it is a table that will attract outcasts. You're not an outcast. Just to be clear, Nathan, I'm not calling your daughter an outcast. It's a table that will attract outcasts and sinners. The Lord's table should attract addicts and tax collectors. The Lord's table should attract the desperate and the depressed. The Lord's table should attract the sick and the tired and the overlooked. In other words, the Lord's table should attract you and me. If we can admit and acknowledge our sinfulness, our deep and profound need for God's grace and God's mercy, not once, but every day of our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, and then I'm going to invite you to this table. And so, Lord, we thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you that... Uh, History shows again and again that it is people just like us who are attracted to our Savior, to broken people, to real people, to stumbling people, to, to weeping people, to grieving people, to tired people, to flawed people, to failing people, to weak people, to addicted people. These are the ones who are drawn to you. In you, we find grace and mercy and healing and transformation. We find old things becoming new. We find dead things coming to life. We find dead ends opened up into eternal futures. And so, God, we pray that in the power of your Holy Spirit today, you would cause us to repent of any place in our lives where we have become like the Pharisees, looking to our own knowledge, looking to our own skill, looking to our own religious purity to somehow be good enough, to somehow be acceptable, to somehow be okay. Repent us of those, of those temptations, God, and turn us in our beautiful, pleasing desperation back to you people who can acknowledge with full confidence, with no shame, that we need you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.